Hello everyone, what's good? Welcome to session number five of the Bebop Rewatch podcast, a podcast from Wulong Talks. My name's Jason and I'm the host of the show, as you know, and joined as always uh, by my buddy Rich Kid as well. Rich, say what's up. Hey, what's up? Cool, man. Uh, thanks for joining us again. If you're listening to us for the first time, welcome. Um, as you may or may not know, what we do on this podcast is we rewatch episodes of the greatest anime TV show of all time. Don't argue with us on that, Cowboy Bebop. Um, this week we've approached uh, episode number five or session five of that show, um, which is called Ballad of Fallen Angels. And this one is a killer episode and we can't wait to talk about it with you guys. Um, but yeah, man. Rich, how are you doing, and how have you? Been, how much have you been looking forward to recording this episode? Because I know you are. Well, okay. Well, before we jump on that, number one, please tell me when you're going to start recording. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I asked you if you're ready. You said yeah, 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 yeah. No, but you meant to say like ready, steady, go, like go, like or one, two, three, go. You just said you're ready. I went yeah, and then good evening, folks. And I'm just like okay, shit, like all right, but. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> Listeners, um, I think Richard has a different definition of are you ready yet to, to the rest of us. But yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, so that, that's, that, that's the first thing. Uh, before we forget, it's not even related to Cowboy Bebop. Well, maybe it is in some way related to Cowboy Bebop because he was an icon. But I just want to say RIP to Burt Reynolds, man. Mm. Um, Hollywood legend, actor, who um, I'm sure if... In one way or another, at least one character is based on Burt Reynolds from at least one film in, in an episode of Bebop, and I'm sure we'll come across it at some point. Mm. And if not, if there was any form of film version of Bebop, whether it's going to be in the future or whether it would have been made years ago, in one way or another, I'm sure Burt Reynolds would have still been an influence in one way or another, um, mm. or even starred in it. Um, so yeah, man, just want to say RIP to, to, to a legend from the 80s. Yeah, man. For sure. Yeah. Well, seventies, really. I mean, that's yeah. that was his yeah. big era, wasn't it? So, well, yeah. yes, well, well, so, yeah, seventy, yeah, seventies, eighties, yeah, man. Mm. Um, but yeah, but uh, how how much how much have I been looking forward to this episode? Like, listeners, once again, I'm gonna we're gonna keep we're gonna repeat this every single week. I hope you're actually engaging in this this journey with us. That's what it is. This we're not just watching a show. Yeah, we're like we're engaging in a journey with these characters. Episode five is this this episode alone is it's it's amazing like i mean before we went live well sorry before jay went live without telling me we we're having a conversation about <laughs> this episode and i i think how many times did i swear in this how many times did i swear when we we're just you know, doing like a bit of a run through this uh, just, about five times yeah I, I think i i think i literally just said the f word like back to back like this <laughs> this episode is just it's just it's a type of thing that I'm not saying that they don't make good films anymore, but there are certain there's movies and there's films, and I think a movie is something that can be entertaining, and you know, and you, you can't fault it, but it's something that you can, you can you can hit or miss. Star Wars is a it, Star Wars is you know is is a good movie that some people haven't seen Star Wars, and I'm like, well, you know what? How the hell have you seen Star Wars as part of pop culture? It's it you know it's a it's a great movie, and then you get to like Empire Strikes Back, and that's an amazing film. That's writing for that, you know, for, for that particular um, franchise and particular story, um, type of genre. That's really, really good writing for that. Godfathers are amazing films. This episode alone could have is is just 
I mean, it, sta- it stands out so far apart from the rest of, ep- of the episodes. In fact, it doesn't even stand out that far from the episodes. Like, it, it just stands head and shoulders above a good show that's, that's already established. But this just shows you of what's more to come and what they really can achieve when they're ready to pull their finger out and, you know, and catch you in the words and pull that rug from underneath you and say, pay attention. Um, yeah, listen, Ballad, Ballad of Fallen Angels... Yeah, it's, it's gonna blow your socks off. Like, I'm gonna start like just carrying and rattling on. Jay, you can you can take take the reins because I think I've, I've said enough. <laughs> well, as you can hear, Rich Kid is excited. Um, I'm excited. So, sod it, man. Let's just jump into it and get into the episode, shall we? So, uh, for those of you who've been watching along, as said, we're we're talking about uh, session number five, which is called Ballad of Fallen Angels. Um, now, so far, you know, in in our journey, as, as Richard has described it. Um, we haven't learned a, a huge amount about Spike, uh, Spike Spiegel, the main character of the show. There's been, um, you know, a few episodes where things have been hinted at here and there. Um, and with Cowboy Bebop as a series as a whole, you, don't, you, you really kind of learn about the characters as the story goes along. So you don't really get, um, you know, full on exposition behind them and, and behind what they do. So... This is really the the first episode where we get to, I mean, we still don't really learn much about Spike by the end, but you get to dip a toe into it. And, you know, Spike is one of those characters who has a very dark past, shall we say. So um, first off, I mean, this episode is is just brilliant, man. It's it's brilliant on so many levels. I mean, artistically, animation-wise, in terms of the, the characters that we're introduced to and the story... And the way everything is realized throughout that story is just uh, phenomenal. So, you know, this is really one of the better episodes that you can get from that this series. So I would highly, highly recommend that if you haven't seen this episode yet, make sure you watch it. Um, but the episode, Rich, I mean, it, it kind of like drops you in straight away, which is another thing that, that Bebop does very well because of the fact that the episodes themselves are very short. Um, you don't really spend too much time kind of, you know, wasting time building up to, to different elements of the plot and the characters and stuff. And, and we start with a real bang here, don't we? Yeah. Well, the thing is, the thing that I find fascinating about this episode is that, well, I mean, you obviously you, you start off with like the whole, the whole assassination of, of Mal, who's who we basically find out is the, the leader of a, of a, of a, let's say a mafia organization or Chinese mafia organization called the Red Dragon Syndicate. Um, just after he's managed to, to make peace with a rival family, which reached the, they kind of alluded that they've been at war with each other for years. Mm. Um, and, and as, as they finished signing the contract, uh, the person that Mao had basically made peace with gets assassinated. And you find out it's basically by this, a member of the Red Dragon Syndicate called Vicious. Uh, and then Vicious basically then goes on to ruthlessly tell his, you know, his, his henchmen to, you know, to, to slice Mal's throat. And that's a nice little setup. Um, and I mean, it's one of those things where it kind of engages you and you're just like, well, this might just be like another bounty. Fair enough is, you know, it, you know, shit happens. This, this wouldn't be the first time. It's, we're, you know, we're five episodes in deep. We, we, know what, we know how the game plays. But it's the conversation that happens next with Spike and Jet. And this is the first time that you see you, you basically see them having an, an honest-to-God disagreement. Mm. And you see emotions from them that you... I mean, like you said, whenever we see them have any form of, like, disagreement before, 
it's almost kind of like it's it, it's a brother thing, you know, like a say like a a dad and a son, or you know, like a, like an uncle, or, or you know, like there's there's a certain element of that they're on the same page, even when they're arguing, and that's cool. But this argument here, it almost feels like it it, it potentially is a a true falling out. Jet has this nonchalant thing of like when Spike when Spike upsets him, he's just like, oh, you know what, I'm just going to leave you be. But when he in this argument, in this conversation that they have, you can there's almost an element of fear that Jet has in the way how Spike is approaching approaching the situation, and Spike wants Jet to follow him in this situation almost because he knows that that's like you, you get the sense that he generally does trust Jet to have his back in the situation and you see these people and they're not on the same page and it's true emotion and mm. you haven't got that from both of these characters up, up until this point that, that you know in, the, in this episode um, and like you said so in the space of like five ten minutes of this episode you're thrown in in the deep end quite quite quickly and it's very very different as to what we've got in the first four episodes so already you're seeing that you're seeing the, the writing kind of step up a notch and that's not even to mention the animation that's used when you know this whole bit where, where where Mal gets where Mal gets his 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 throat sliced, and the introduction of like a character called, of the character Light Vicious and his henchmen, because they look quite different to everything else that that we've seen. They have a very regal look, and they're very much based in shadows and, and things like that. Is uh, the, the the start of this episode is is just a gripper. Is is just is just amazing. Mm. And it really kind of sets the tone for the whole episode as well. That's what's so, you know, kind of amazing about it really is is that the, the fact that um, you know, as as Rich said, we we kind of start off with this meeting between these two heads of, of, of these two rival crime syndicates. Now, um for the crime syndicates themselves, so far in in the story at the point that we're at, they haven't really um, delve too much into detail about the crime syndicates, but effectively they're they're mafia families. You know, there's um, as Rich said, there's a Red Dragon syndicate, and then there is the White Tiger. I think is the other one, the, the other mm. um, the other syndicate, and um, you know, they're, they're two factions that have obviously been at war for for some time. And the information is that by the two heads of these factions coming together and and sealing this contract in blood. Um, they do it, which they do at the beginning, which I thought was a really nice touch as well, because that's a very kind of old school yeah. mafia movie type um, thing that they would do. Um, I think in mafia movies they used to cut their hand and like bleed over a candle or something like well, that. Well, the thing is, the, well, the, the thing I loved about it is that it's not. I mean, like I said, it, it's like an, an it's a mafia thing, and it's almost it kind of like harkens back to like um to like certain things they might have to do for like the yakuza as well. But it's one of those things where it kind of hammers home how much of a bastard Vicious is mm. because it's one of those things where it's like blood oaths go further than that. If, if, if you think about it, like, you know, you can imagine that blood oaths have been running since the days of like caveman, mm. you, you know, stuff like that. Um, so it's one of those things where it's like, when you see that done, you know that these are true, I suppose you could say like true warriors, you know, or, 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 true, or true people of integrity. So when Vicious comes along and, and, he, and, he, and he goes the complete opposite, like you said, it, it kind of like spits in the face of what we've just seen. Mm. And, and, and I think, once again, that, that's, that's like a, a really, really nice setup. Because, I mean, I mean, sorry to interrupt, but like you just said, was like, you know, like it's, it's really, it, it shows that sense of like, you know, of importance and of like, you know, we're true men here. Our word is our bond. 
And what's more, you know, what's stronger than our bonds? Okay, well, fuck it. The thing that, that flows through our veins, our blood. So let's, you know, so let's sign this contract of our blood. It's, it's just a nice little touch. And once again, it's something that we haven't seen. As much as there's so much of this universe of bebop that kind of like takes us back to, you know, a particular period, and it, even though it's set in the future, that's one thing that you can imagine nobody does in, the, in, the, in that place anymore. So, you know, like, I mean, Bebop is set, what, 2045 or something, something crazy. Mm. So imagine, you know, so I, I can imagine like that is like to them, that's like an old, old tradition now. If we think it's an old tradition, imagine how they must view it. So it's a nice little, it's a nice little touch that, um, that, that we get with that. Yeah, I think it is. And um, again, it shows you kind of how, um, you know, as we've explored with this series so far, listeners, um, you know, there's lots of different influences on Cowboy Bebop as a series. Um, and obviously, you know, this kind of setting up scene is is a clear sh- uh, sign of how the creators were influenced by mafia movies and by, you know, that that kind of thing. So um, it, it's a nice little touch that, that it has at the beginning. And then when, um, you know, the leader of the, the White Tiger Crime Syndicate ship blows up as he's leaving the, the meeting with uh, Mao Yun-Rai, um, it's that sudden jolt that just suddenly kind of happens that that can happen in uh, said in all the good mafia movies where you think you know the story's going one way and then it just suddenly turns on a on a dime and goes in the opposite direction um and you're left with that real kind of sense of shock like oh shit what's going to happen now um and then vicious arrives and you're like oh damn <laughs> like this guy is not a guy <laughs> to be played with you know um and his character design vicious's character design is something that i I never really paid much attention to um, the first time I watched this series, but when I watched this episode, um, he's very much like kind of almost based on like some of the the, the old, um, well, they're not even really old, but like some of the the Japanese um, games that are based on manga and anime where there's a character who has, um, you know, is part demon or or part devil or something like that. Yeah. And um, and obviously, I mean, we'll, as we'll go on to talk about, you know, kind of the the religious iconography in this episode, and and the themes of of kind of um, angels and demons, and and you know how they they kind of manifest themselves in in human beings. But the way he's he's drawn is very much like a like a demon, as said, <laughs> the, um, which which kind of fits with who he is and and, and what he's about, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, his introduction, as as Rich said, is really um, one of the kind of standout moments of, of the series so far. Um, and as Rich said, he's you know he turns up at the scene and basically wrecks shop, um, kills a, a number of um, the Red Dragon uh, Syndicate's uh, henchmen, and he kills the leader of the Red Dragon Syndicate, Mao Yanrai. Um, and as Mao is dying, he says, you know, if Spike was here, you wouldn't be doing this. And then the, we get like a, just a close-up shot of the mouth of Vicious and he kind of like stops and then just lets off this evil grin and you're like, okay, there's clearly history between Vicious and, and Spike here. Um, and then, as you said, we we get the next scene with, with Jet and Spike arguing and it feels, um, it's a bit like watching your parents argue because it's a bit like, <laughs> this isn't nice, I don't like this. Like, why are you two, you know, you two, you kind of, you know, you're, you're, you're uh, two brothers who 
have been through a lot already um, between themselves. And, you know, even though we're in the early parts of the story, there's a clearly a close bond between them. Um, so when something kind of comes between them like this, you know, it's some serious shit that, that's happening. Um, and as Rich said, you know, it's, it's, it's not comfortable to watch <laughs> the way I did feel it a type of way watching them argue, you know, that, that was a bit much, but, but anyway, um, they're actually arguing uh, plot wise about um, Mao Yun Rai because he had uh, a massive bounty of 28 million Wulongs on his head, um, which obviously is a big payday for, for Spike and Jet. Um, but I think Spike is the, doesn't want to to go and collect the the bounty. Doesn't want to go and arrest uh, Mao Yun Rai because he thinks there's he senses that there's something going on with Spike and that there's something about Spike that is making him even more melancholy than he usually is. Um, and Spike has said in this episode, especially um, in that confrontation with Jet, um, behaves in a way that that we haven't seen from him so far. In the sense that he's very um, he's very, very kind of committed to just taking one course of action. Um, even though, I mean, he can be very single-minded as, as we've seen in some of the previous episodes as well. Um, you know, clearly this is something that he feels he has to do. Um, and it's, it's good that you brought up the, the point about like, you know, warriors and, and their honor, because um, that kind of also plays a, a big part in the story later on when we learn a bit more about um, Spike's relationship to the Red Dragon Crime Syndicate and, and Mao Yun Rai. But um, yeah, the, you know, there's that real sense, as, as, as said, of like sort of family, you know, kind of arguing in a way, and you, you don't really like it. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, like, what did you think of, of, of that? I mean, I know you've touched on it already, but. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, exactly. I mean, I, there's nothing else I can actually add to that. Mm. Um, I mean, we're, we're pretty much just banging them in the heads. Um, you, you were saying about the, you know, the whole scene about like, you know, when Mao gets taken out. If anybody hasn't seen this episode yet, I mean, it's it's a lot shorter, and the way how Jason describes it, how it just comes at you left field after you've just seen these two guys just sign this declaration. If anybody's seen The Godfather Part Two, there's a bit where. Um, Marco Colioni is basically get, um, he's get, having this what his son his son, is it his, mm. son, his son christened and he basically and doesn't he say like something something like settle all accounts or handle all accounts and you basically see that the heads of all these other crime families getting killed and while this is happening you know Marco was getting his his his, his son christened and it's not I mean the setup of of the of the of, of the scenes are in, in, in that scene in The Godfather Part 2 and, and this scene in, in Beopop are completely different, but it's, it's the weightiness and the punchiness behind this. And it's the reason why I, I, I love this scene as well is because it's done in such a short space of time as well. There's no drawn out thing where, you know, Mao is able to give this like long ass speech because he obviously seems like he's a man of integrity. Like Jason said, he just, ha he just manages to say that one thing if Spike were here, things would be different. And that setup alone, like I said, this is the first six minutes of this episode. That setup alone is just freaking amazing alongside the, the design of Vicious. I'll talk about the design of Vicious later on down the line as well. Mm. But, um, but yeah, but like, I said, like you said, these, these two brothers fighting, it's hard to, to see them. It's, it's hard to see them argue. And we've only done it for five episodes. And then on top of that, you get Faye come along 
Mm. And even and remember, like even Faye's kind of thrown back when mm. she sees them having their argument, like, having having this little argument because she can sense that it, it's different, you know. And like you know, even the way how Jet's even responding to her, Spike's not even paying her any mind and, and stuff like that. And you know, and Ayn's just running around in the background. Um, but yeah, yeah, the intro to the, the start of this this episode is is wicked. Mm. Definitely, Pam. Definitely. So, um, as Rich said, uh, you know, Faye returns from shopping to to kind of interrupt the the arguments that's going on, and she tries her best to sort of lighten the mood around the the place and to to make it feel less um, tense. I guess is is the is the right word to use, but um, she's not very successful. It doesn't really work out. Um, you know, the as said this argument seems to be quite a deep one between the two of them. Um, and so Faye kind of discovers this uh, information about the bounty that's available on the head of uh, Mao Yun Rai. Um, and whilst Jet and Spike are still arguing, um, she manages to, to find out some extra information because a news flash comes through from um, one of Jet's cop buddies uh, about some details. And she managed to get a lead on, on where Mao Yun Rai is. Um, so whilst they're, they're kind of arguing and things like that, she's obviously sizing up her next payday as well, um, as Faye does, um, which is really funny in, in the way that she does it. Um, so she decides that she's going to go after the, this bounty. Um, meanwhile, Spike kind of is like, look, he's going down to, to find uh, Maui and Rai. Um, and Jet is kind of like, look, I'm not having anything to do with it. And has kind of washed his hands of, of the whole thing, which again is kind of shocking because of the, the background the two of them have um, and the kind of relationship they've been shown to have in, in the first four episodes that we've seen. So, um, you know, again, it, it's just a, a reminder that this is quite a serious situation that, that we're into right now. So, um Spike takes off on the Swordfish 2 and, and he jets off um, to go and find uh, Maui and Rai. Um, Faye kind of steals away as well, um, obviously trying to do the same thing to get that bounty um, and to get that 28 million Wulongs that, that she's after there. Um, and the next scene that we get is uh, that Faye arrives uh, for a concert. Um, she's managed to track down Maui and Rai's location to a concert hall um, on a planet. Now, um, I'm not sure what planet I should say this episode is actually taking place on because they don't actually mention it as far as I know. Um, we'll check through the, the Bebopopedia afterwards and, and see if there's anything there. But um, yeah, it, it just seems to be a, a random planet as far as we know. Um, but anyway, there's an opera house there and, and she arrives um, dressed formally for the opera and manages to con her way into um, the opera itself. But when she arrives, um, it seems that someone was expecting her arrival almost and was waiting for her. Um, and a guy puts a gun in her back and forces her up into the, the box, um, the VIP box in, in the opera house. Um, and when she gets in there, she sat down, she's forced to sit down next to the dead body of Mao Yun Rai. And they literally show him with his throat slit sitting in the chair. Um, and again, that kind of level of, of brutality just sort of shows you like what this episode is about. And also, again, echoing what Richard said, you know, many episodes ago about how this show will always kind of punctuate 
you know, moments of, of brevity and lightness with um, some harsh, harsh shit, just to remind you that, you know, this is like life. Life can be, you know, a, a place that a, a experience is very enjoyable and, um, you know, is, is very fun at times, but then suddenly at the worst possible time, the worst possible thing can happen. Um, so yeah, that's, that's crazy. And then of course she also meets vicious for the first time, um, in that box as well. Um, yeah. So then the story moves on. So we, we get to follow Spike. Um, he goes to see someone called Annie, um, who seems to be running a shop and th there is one of the few kind of humorous moments in the story where, um, two kids are looking at, I guess, what would be the, the bebop world equivalent of Playboy, um, and decide they're going to try and steal these magazines from Annie's shop. Um, Annie manages to spot them and, and um, they try to run away. Uh, they get caught outside because they bump right into Spike, um, who somehow has managed to take the magazine from one of the kids and is reading the magazine while this kid is on the floor, um, which I found hilarious. And um, he recognizes Annie and he uses her name and, and she kind of recognizes him. Um, she, we then kind of get a, a scene where it's the two of them sitting together uh, in her shop and she's pulled out a drink and they're kind of talking a little bit about Malian Rai and his past. Um, as far as I know, Rich, we don't, uh, it's never explicitly said at this point what his relationship with Malian Rai is necessarily, is it? No, it's not, but it's, it's one of the things that you can tell that it's a close relationship. I mean, it's, mm. it's, I don't know, like, it's just weird. I mean, even, even though I've watched it, I've watched the episode many times and the show many times. And but even when I first watched this episode, I just remember just going to myself, yeah, like there's there's something closer and, and a tighter bonds, you know, than than what they're letting on. And and it's, like I said, it, it comes down to the writing. Like you you just get that sense. And this is the thing that I keep on saying about this show. You get the sense that you know these people. Mm. Like you don't need to you don't need to be you don't need to be spoon fed certain information. There's certain things I just said, and it's just like, oh yeah, yeah, I, well I knew that. I kind of make sense. I don't know how I know that, but maybe because I've known these guys for like five episodes. Five episodes could be five minutes. It could be five years. It could be, you know, you know, five seconds. It, it, it is what it is. But yeah, but you, you just get that feeling that they, that that they there is a there is some form of relationship there, and I think it kind of that kind of hammers it home as well, even worse, where you find, or basically where um where Julia goes into the opera house and she sits next to the dead body of Mal. And, and once again, like you said, like, you know, that callousness, that's, this isn't even callous, that evil streak that we see running through Vicious is made even more evil because this person is, was, obviously some, was, obviously, was obviously of some importance to you at some point and, you know, from what, from what we can gather. And not only have you killed him, but you've still got his dead body and you're parading it around somewhat like it's, it's almost like a like a cruel joke with no punchline just having him sitting there like you know watching opera you cl you're clearly aware that that was the type of thing that he was interested in mm. that's that's how much you that's how much you know that's how we know that you know who this person is you know because you you know or how how much of a relationship you have with this person it's vicious is crazy man <laughs> <laughs> vicious, vicious, vicious has got he's got some some darkness to him mm. and then as Anastasia, although she doesn't like being called that, that's that's the touch. Like I said, it's one of those things about this show that 
they don't speed even though when even when they do spoon feed you information they just give you tidbits hmm. they don't they don't want they don't want to try and bog you down with useless information all they need to know is that i'm the wife of this person and uh, and this person is now dead but we were friends of this person who looked after you so there's i've always had this theory that the, the relationship between anastasia and spike is that anastasia may have even been the person that even found spike and yeah, took true. Spike and, and took Spike to Mao. That that's that's one theory I've always had. Just because there's there's a I mean, as we go along in episodes as well, Spike isn't someone that takes very well to to authority figures, hmm. but he does have a very, very strong sense of um what's the what's the word? A strong sense of a oh, like he's he, respect. He has a very, very strong uh, sense of respect towards women. I don't know if you noticed that. As mm. much as he may give like um, Faye a hard time, it's probably because he realizes that Faye's younger than her, and he treats her more like a younger sister. So he gives her like hard knocks. But yeah, that's one thing I did notice in his conversation with, um, you know, with Anastasia and the way how she talks to him as well. Mm. Mm. So yeah, that that just popped into my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean you're probably on the right track with that. I mean, we we don't uh, as said we haven't uh, at this point. Listeners got to the point in the story where. Um, you know, more details about Spike's background have been revealed, but you certainly get a sense that um, there is an extremely close relationship between Spike and, and Annie. Um, you know, she treats him like a, um, like a son who's returned home from, a, you know, a, a, a long journey or a long trip. Um, and obviously the way the two of them talk about Maui and Rai, you know, there, there's obviously a relationship there. And I, I think there's a certain point when, during the conversation where, um the camera shows us a picture of um Annie and Maui and Rai when they were younger um with two kids um which we assume is is Spike and I guess Vicious but uh, I mean I'm not too sure but uh, yeah as as you said Rich you know maybe that there is um that type of of motherly relationship there because um she may have found him when he was you know younger and and uh, kind of running wild and doing his thing so um we don't know at this point listeners we'll we'll you know we're speculating a bit here um well we do know but we're not telling you we don't want to spoil it <laughs> but um you know at, at this point in the story we, we're just aware that there's a, a closeness between Annie and Spike so um and that scene was nice I mean it, it, again it, it kind of shows how um the series as a whole has quite a, a mature attitude towards um, relationships between the characters um, and there's a, a very kind of real sense of um, you know kinship between them and, and, and relationship between char certain characters as well and um, it, you know the writing is so strong that you you really get that impression and it comes through and the voice work is so good as well I mean we you know we we um, should really pay credit to the, the voice actors in, in those scenes too um, so Annie basically tries to get Spike to not go after um, Vicious, but um, Spike, as as we know, has has kind of made up his mind that that he has to do what he has to do. Um, by this point, they learn of of uh, Maui and Rai's death as well. So for Spike, it almost becomes like a you know a, a, an act of duty, and I think at a certain point he does say that. Um, I think he says you know it, it is an act of duty for him. Um, so while this is happening, Faye has, as said, has been caught by, 
uh, vicious and his goons and is held up at a cathedral. We don't know where the cathedral is or, or the or the significance of this cathedral, though there clearly is some kind of significance to it. But at this point in the story, we're, we're not really being told what the, the significance of the cathedral is. But um, Spike knows where they are and, and heads to the cathedral. Um, and he and Vicious kind of confront each other. Um, I, I forgot to mention Vicious has got like this pet bird, I think it is, that looks like some kind of demon on his shoulder. Mm -hmm. um, I have no idea what kind of bird it is. I'll, I'll try and look it up. Um, as said, when we finish our roundup of the episode, I'll, I'll have a look and see if, if anybody's worked out what kind of bird it is. But boy, I don't know. I mean, it looks a bit like a vulture, but it's not. And uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Again, it just kind of adds to the whole creepy vibe that Vicious has um, as a character. Um, and it fits in with with the the kind of influences that he has, you know. Um, so anyway, the the two confront each other at the cathedral. Um, there's a few brief words between them, um, and you know, Spike kind of wants to know why Vicious has killed Mao, and uh, Vicious says something along the lines of that he lost his fangs or something like that. Yeah. Um, while he's there, he hears Faye shout out. Um, and then one of Cowboy Bebop's epic shootouts takes place. Uh, <laughs> this was kind of the scene that got my blood pumping. I was like, yeah, I like this, man. <laughs> like the, the John Woo freak in me was like, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> off, man. Um, but yeah, man, Rich, um, break it down for the people. What, what goes on in the shootout? Basically, it's, it's one of those things where you, you see Spike do what he does best. But see now, see now. Th this is what I get when I, when I see this. When I actually see this, when I actually watch this episode, and when, and when I did watch it, um, first of all, the 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 well, what's it, the what you see, Spike and Vicious meet each other, and there's something for the first time in a in a long time. Well, the, for, for the first time out of all these five episodes, is the first time I feel that they're in actual danger. So don't get me wrong. In the, in all other in all other episodes, you you know they face some you know like you know the the eco terrorists. The eco terrorists were kind of played fast and loose for for you know for shits and giggles. But 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 when they started you know when bullets started flying, people started getting killed, and it, and it was quite quite callous. But there's something about vicious that's just stupidly scary. And when I watched it today, you know what it is? It's scary because. We've seen, fair enough, like the show is called Cowboy Bebop and it's, and it's a show about multiple characters, but let's not, you know, let's not beat around the bush. Spike is, is generally the give or take the main character. And we've seen him as a main character do so many amazing things and, and able to pull things off uh, in such a laid back, you know, type of way. Whereas like in this episode, we've seen him, I would say startled. And mm. for the first time in a long time, awake and so and when i say awake i don't mean like you know he's physically you know he's physically awake there's something that's been stirred in him when he goes to see vicious and the thing that makes it even scarier is that vicious apart from give or take physically looking like spike not exactly but they've got very very similar attributes um, like you know looks wise vicious is basically what spike would be if he was evil mm. And that's a scary thing because we haven't seen Vicious do anything apart from give orders at this point in, in this whole episode. But we know what Spike is capable of doing. 
And so when you see these two face off, you're just like, shit, is this, is this guy going to be able to pull it off? And even that whole thing of like, the whole thing about like, you know, you've lost your fangs and you've done this and you've done that. Mm. It's, it, it's alluding to a, like, to a very, very dangerous, dang- a very, very dangerous past that Spike seems to be running from. And the only way he thinks he can basically stop it is basically, you know, to kill Vicious. But you get this feeling that, in the only way for him to kill Vicious is to, is for him for himself to die as well. Is there is actually something quite morbid in the relationship that that they have with that they have with each other. And like mm. you said earlier on, Jason, it does remind me a lot of like you know characters that you'd get in a manga or in an anime or a computer video game. The, v- Vicious actually reminds me of a character called Iori from King of Fighters. Mm. Um, and basically, and Iori ha- is a, is a character that has this demon inside him, and basically there's this constant struggle that he has and. I think if you beat the game on a, on a particular setting, you're able actually able to play as like um, evil Yuri, where the demon's fully taken over him. So mm. imagine when, like you know, like evil Ryu from like one of the Street Fighter games when he now has the power of Akuma, and yeah. that's what I see when I see Vicious and Spike facing each other. They are essentially two sides of the same coin, and Vicious is basically what Spike doesn't want to become, especially now that he's got things that you know, you know, he's got he, in a sense, in essence, he's got family. Vicious is the complete opposite. You've seen Vicious w- without a doubt, like kill members of his family, and he has, and we know that he has, or thought that he's killed members members of his family before in 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 Spike, which I've just told and just spoke for everyone else. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, but this shootout, like like Jason said, it's it's John Woo style. It's imagine imagine a mixture of John Woo and john wick so sorry so john Woo style um style of shooting of a, of a shootout which um and then and then john wick style kind of like shooting like you know there's very much a real world based type of action to this there's no no flying throughout the air and all of this stuff everything is pretty much like straight to the point like i mean you see bits where where and where spike gets shot and like it, and once again, like it shows that you know our heroes are not impervious to pain. Like this isn't a fucking game. Like you know, this this is a true shootout. So and I like the fact that you see people getting shot. You see people getting hurt. Um, you know, there's a bit where Spike is running amongst the the the, the benches in a church, and he runs, and he kind of like falls over and slips, but then he kind of like roars and then lands on his back. And then like I like the fact that everything just seems so gritty and and real in in the shootout. That's what makes this stand out amongst a lot of the anime that, that came out during this period where you just had like you know speed lines behind everything as well like it's just, this just went the complete opposite and just you know and kept it real but th- this this shootout is, is just amazing like jay i'm not sure if you want to talk about the actual face-off between vicious and spike in fact you could talk about the, the face of the vicious and spike uh but i will i will add one thing the thing that i do like is about halfway through the shootout you do get that that piece of you know of, of of comedy just thrown in as they always do so all these episodes with um Faye still in handcuffs in this low cut see through in this low cut dress with her you know with you know with her female appendages you know kind of bouncing all over the place and she's like what were you what were you shooting are you trying to kill me and it's just like there's guys out there with like machine guns just like <laughs> taking pot shots at each other mm. and, 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 you, and you're just walking around going like what are you trying to do just mind where you're shooting and I, and I always find that bit of funny like that that scene funny because like that this whole action scene is just is just dark yeah yeah very much so i mean um i uh, there, there's a certain point in 
the shootout. I think it might be before when um, Vicious is kind of explaining about, um, you know, why he he killed Mal. And he says, you know, do you do something about the, the origin of, of demons and how um, demons basically are, are fallen angels? Are, are um, I think he, he actually says, do you know what happens to angels when they fall from heaven? They become the, the devil or something like that, or they become devils. Mm. Um, and so there's there's very much, um, as said, tied up in this this idea of, of good versus evil. And it's a very... It's a very, what stood out to me was it's an oddly kind of Catholic and Christian way of, of viewing it as well. Um, because considering, you know, obviously the, the, the show itself is a, a Japanese show and, you know, is written by Japanese people, um, you would think there, there might be some more, um, a, a slightly more Buddhist approach taken with, you know, the way some of these characters are written or, or, or a Taoist uh, approach. But it, seems like you know they, they've leaned very heavily on on the c catholic religious iconography in in this scene and that is obviously in itself a, a big reference to to john woo as well because anybody who knows john woo knows john woo loves to put a shootout in a church or in front of a cross <laughs> or something like that um because i don't know <laughs> maybe they look cool i don't know what it is but um yeah he loves to do that so it, you know i found all of that quite um sort of interesting um so as rich said you know the the, the shootout is is very intense spike is is sort of taking out vicious vicious henchmen and then they take a breather and um they basically oh no no sorry i'm jumping ahead a little bit so so spike um manages to kind of fight his way up a staircase um which is a really cool scene as well in terms of the animation and the action and the way that it's framed and, and shot and everything is really cool um, so he fights his way up the, the top to this balcony um, where there is a massive sort of stained glass window behind him um, and Vicious kind of confronts him at the top of this balcony and um, bear in mind here that, that I don't know if we mentioned this before but basically Vicious only uses a sword um, so he never you know we, we never as far as we know um, see him use a gun to, to do anything. Um, certainly not in you know the context of, of the time period that this episode is set in um, although you do get some flashbacks and, and we'll get to that but um, you know during this confrontation there it's just vicious with his sword versus spike with a gun yet somehow vicious is dodging these bullets that the spike is firing at him mm -hmm. and it's just bloody mud um, but there's a, a quick stalemate kind of a, a place where the, the story sort of takes a break and um, they kind of have like a mini Mexican standoff, so to speak, um, with Vicious having his sword you know, pointed at, at Spike's shoulder and Spike has got his gun at Vicious's shoulder and Vicious um, kind of says to him, you know, we, we're the same, the same blood runs through us. Um, and Spike says, you know, no, I'm trying to wash my bad blood away. And um, this really seems to kind of piss off Vicious and um, Vicious then kind of, stab spike at the same time as spike pulling the trigger on his gun um they end up like kind of grappling and then vicious picks spike up with his hand by his face and i was like what <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah he, he literally just grabs spike by the the face and picks him up by the face 
um and he goes to throw him out the window the the stained glass window behind him but not before um spike manages to to get out a, a grenade and throw it up right behind vicious and we've seen in previous episodes that spike is is quick with his hands so you know he, he's able to <laughs> kind of pull these things out um just at the last minute um then you get a, a scene where in slow motion he's kind of falling through this same glass window and then we get like sort of flashback sequences um and the flashbacks kind of without telling us anything really because there's no dialogue in the flashbacks it, it's all just images we get a, a glimpse of kind of how their past relationship worked and it seemed as if from what we could glean that you know vicious and spike at some point worked together um probably for the syndicate um they may have been you know hired guns and muscle or they may have been hitmen i said at this point in the story we don't know because uh, the, the show doesn't tell us but um, you know, you get these and then you get these images of a woman, um, a blonde haired woman who um, seems to have a, a relationship with Vicious. Um, there's a quick kind of shot of the two of them lying in bed. Um, and then we get Spike, a shot of Spike with flowers kind of standing underneath her window, um, which he's kind of using as, as cover for a gun that he's got hidden there as well. Um, and we don't know at, at this point, as said, what the nature of the relationship is between these three people, between Spike, this woman, um, and Vicious. Uh, now, Richard earlier on kind of named the, the, the person. Um, at this point in the story, we don't know who it is. But for those of you who, who already know, it's a character called Julia. Um, she in herself <coughs> is, is a fascinating character and um, an absolute badass as well, but um, you won't find out more about Julia until a lot later on in the story. Um, but Spike, um, Rich, uh, sorry, I almost called you Spike. Then <laughs> you can call me Spike. You can call me Spike. <laughs> um, Rich, I mean, with those kind of quick images that that we get there, it really is. It really kind of brings home the the point that you're saying before and you've said many times is that you know the show is not going to kind of spoon feed you um information you're going to get kind of bits and pieces at different times and that it leaves it up to you to kind of fill in the blanks until it's ready to tell you what mm. these things mean um so you know re-watching the show uh, and, and this episode again um was there any kind of different way you were able to piece together the the kind of images as as they're um cut together from from that scene um, well, not not necessarily. I mean, like I'm I'm still kind of hung up on like you describing, like the the like the actual battle between Spike and Vicious and and and, and the language or the mm. conversation that they have. Because I've you know how my brain works. If anybody who's out there who who knows me, like sometimes my 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 brain can be working on three different things at the same time, and then one thing that one of those things might pop up two weeks later, you know, in in a random conversation. Jay Jay's basically give or take my best friend and and he's used to it so like you know sometimes we'll just be talking about you know cowboy bebop and i'll just start talking about donuts but i'll just <laughs> have this when you were talking about them having this conversation so i'm still kind of like a couple of you know a couple of paragraphs behind i was just thinking that you know you know how spike was um, sorry vicious was describing himself you know as, as a demon and things like that and um and then you've got um spike basically saying that he, he he's trying to wash away that blood and mm. then you say, and then, and then, and Vicious makes a, a comment as to like, you know, you made me, like, you mm. know, you, 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 cre you created me. 
yeah, and it, yeah. I just had this 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 thing of like this whole thing of like it taking place in a church and this whole reference of blood and at the beginning of the episode where you've got Mao signing the declaration of the blood and it's one of those things where Spike isn't just going to kill Vicious because of what he's done to Mao and because of what we see in the flashbacks which I will touch upon but I think he's actually trying to wash away his sins mm, of, 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 mm. what, of what he's actually created which is which is why I find it even more like even more amazing that you know this episode is now taking place in a church because he essentially you know there's this whole thing of mention of like you've lost your fangs and things like that you know you created me um and there's this whole thing like you said about vicious about vicious um you know looking like a demon like you said like spike has a gun and it's point blank and vicious goes into battle with a sword like a you know like an angel like a, you know angels and fallen angels that they go into battle with swords you know you know the 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 um the angel gabriel battled with a sword the angel michael battled with a sword as well and um and the way how he moves is almost even supernatural and the thing that actually made me think about this is where you was where you described the way you just reminded me as well is the bit where he grabs spike by his face and we've been watching this whole battle where everything, like I said, the reason why it, to me it's such a good, uh, sh- such a good gun battle is because everything is really, really, really real. Point where he, he grabs him by his face. There's just something that just doesn't seem right, and mm. it reminds me a bit of like you know, um, you know the first time if you, when when you watch The Exorcist before you start before it really really starts to get supernatural and uh, you know and Regan actually gets taken over by the demon, and so and she starts to do certain things with her body where it seems like it could happen in real life, mm. but it's still the type of thing that would make you look left and go like, wait a minute, did that cop just move by itself? Mm. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, but yeah. And, and like I said, like, you know, just when you were just describing that thing, it just reminded me of like, that, you know, like you said, the, the iconography behind this whole episode of it taking place in a church and, and down to, you know, the vulture thing that's on, that's on Fisher's um, shoulder. This show is like, is laid on so many different levels. Um, so yeah, but what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it was just about those um, flashback scenes that we get, and you know, the now that you've kind of you know the series well, um, yeah. you know, do do, this, do those images still kind of have the same impact? Um, because you know, obviously, at, at the point that you know our listeners are at with with the series, um, you know, we we still don't know the full context of of who these people are and and what their relationship is with each other. Um, mm. You know, the, the scene very much just kind of hints at different things, but doesn't it never really tells you anything, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I was just wondering whether you kind of felt that that same um, that same impact seeing those scenes, or, or whether. I said now that you're familiar with the series and, and, and have seen it many times, does it kind of spoil it in a way, I guess? No, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Like I was watching this scene where Spike is falling out of the window. Aside from the fact that it's just excuse my language, fucking cool that he's <laughs> he's going out the window and he's left a grenade. And it, and, and I mean that, that I mean that's Spike's character in, in, in essence. It's just like, well, and I mean this this is actually a quote from Spike which I'm not sure, I don't think he's said it as of yet, but he will say it at some point during the show. Uh, but whatever happens, happens. And I like mm. that thing of like him flying out the window and then leaving a grenade and say, okay, cool, whatever happens, happens. Mm. But the flashback, the flashbacks still have the same effect on me. I was literally sitting down watching it and I was holding my breath. And it was just, like I'm going to keep on saying, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but 
you don't get spoon fed anything but the whatever you are given it's you know it's it's within context and it makes you think and it's almost weird because some of those images are actually quite beautiful mm. especially with mm. the music playing in the background because it shows a happier time as you know the spike is our favorite character in the show but there is always this thing that you feel that he's got something missing from his life and when you watch this episode for the first time in a long time you feel like something's been stirred in him and it's almost like he's like i said he's he's been he's been woken up yeah. it's just unfortunate that the thing that's woken him up is the thing that he's helped create and is is you know in better of this i mean we might as well start re- referring to vicious as some form of ethereal being now he's he's the he's the embodiment of evil mm. and um and so, and so when you start seeing these images of like, you know, certain scenes of him, Vicious, number one, it's kind of, once again, it becomes kind of scary because you've seen what Vicious is capable of doing. And he's alluded that Spike was doing that thing as well. So it kind of hammers it home that, yes, yeah, Spike did do some bad things. It, this isn't just hearsay. These guys used to roll deep. So, you know, you kind of get that whole thing of like, you know, this is Spike looking back at the badness that is good, but he's also done good. And in doing all of this, he's prepared to die. This is what we learned from this episode. He, do, he, you know, whatever he does in this recklessness, he doesn't believe he's going to, you know, not cease at that point because he knows it's not his time. Um, but there's a there's a couple of scenes. Well, in fact, those flashback scenes. The reason, the other reason why they're so why they just make me hold my breath as well is because of that whole thing where they say that when you die, you know, your life flashes before your eyes. But this is the this is the com- this is the complete opposite. Spike, as far as he's concerned, is about to die, and he's taken out one person, and you kind of get a hint of a story that the reason why they've had a falling out is over a woman. So in the last moments where he think he where he thinks he may die, he's thinking about the woman that he used to love, and he's thinking about the person who give or take used to be his best friend, who as far as he's concerned he just killed. That's mm. some crazy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some deep shit. Some very That's deep some shit. Some crazy shit. It's yeah. almost like his his life, like his life, his life on the bebop. As we know, everybody that's on the bebop has a story behind them. His life on the bebop is one whole is 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 a completely different life. But the life that he had as Spike, as when it was part of the Ren Syndicate, ended at a particular point, and we almost get that. That's what it is. Hmm. So, in essence, you you see his you do see his life flash before flash before his eye before his eyes, but it's another life that he's led. Hmm. It's crazy. It's crazy. Hmm. Like just sitting about here, just thinking about it, is making my mind go crazy. Like now I'm thinking <laughs> of six things. Now I'm thinking of six things at once. So be prepared that work, Jay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah. So the, as as we said, listeners, at this point in in the episode, um, and as Richard, you know, uh, explained his. That we get these flashbacks where his life is kind of flashing before his eyes as he's falling in slow-mo, you know, assume, presumably to his death. Um, and we get these these different images that introduce us to this relationship that he has with this woman. Um, as, as said, Richard has already named her as, as Julia. Um, don't worry if you don't know anything about Julia because that's all going to come. Uh, as said with Cowboy Bebop, you know, they might they introduce a character and then they'll tell you their story later. Um, so, you know, you'll find out about Julia when you need to find out about her. But um, it, at this point in time, as, as Rich said, you know, all we can gather is that there is some type of relationship between 
the the three of them. Um, the last kind of flashback is is um, Spike re uh, remembering a time that he was injured and was lying in bed, and uh, Julia is um, humming a song to him and, and kind of tending to his his injuries. Um, and Spike, you know, is grateful for it and says to her something like, you know, that that's a beautiful song, sing it again, or, or something like that. So she hums the, the, this song um, again that she's been singing. And the, when we flash back to the present day, um, Spike is back on the bebop and he's bandaged up um, everywhere uh, and someone's humming and he opens his eyes and he turns and he sees his face. And um, his mouth has been covered in bandages, so he he's saying something, and and Faye can't hear him. So Faye comes over and pulls the bandage down, and Spike turns around and tells her that she's singing it off key. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Faye picks up a pillow and smacks him with it, which is quite funny. Um, and that's where the episode ends, really. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, the, the as I said, this this episode is really really kind of intense and you know if you're a fan of, of kind of fast-paced action anime then this is the one for you because um yeah you get it all plus you get as, as richard said some really beautiful imagery and and some really artistic things done with the story at this point too so definitely worth watching session number five so um, Rich, let's get into some of the things that I found here. So, uh, listeners, if you want to find out some more background stuff about these episodes, there's a great fan site called Bebopopedia, um, which is based on, on the interwebs. So if you just type in Bebopopedia, that will come up. Um, and we've got quite a bit of background information here regarding, um, the episode. So I'll try and run through this as quickly as I can, because I'm aware we're, we're kind of going on a bit here. Um, but obviously, as we talked about, you know, the, the episode heavily kind of features uh, Spike's past and um, his involvement with the Red Dragon crime syndicate and his relationship with Maui and Rai and with Vicious and with Julia or with Annie. So that's all kind of, you know, sort of explained. Um, there's part of the episode as well that where, uh, you know, during the argument between Spike and Jet, um, Jet kind of mentions that he got his cybernetic arm for being, you know, crazy and, and being gung-ho. And he's basically trying to talk Spike out of, of, of doing what he's doing. And um, in an earlier part of the argument, you know, uh, Jet is demanding that Spike tells him what the what he knows about Maui and Rai. And, and Spike sort of says to him, well, tell me uh, how you got that cybernetic arm. Um, and, you know, Jet's sort of reluctant to tell him, but then eventually kind of reveals this nugget of information about you know his cybernetic arm being um implanted on him because he was too gung-ho back in the day um that again is something that the, the cowboy bebop will explain so yeah don't worry about it if you don't understand uh, all of that at this point um okay let's go into the homages so um apparently the opera scene is is reminiscent of the movie Marathon Man. You remember Marathon Man, right? Yeah, that was one of my favorite films, man. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the scene where Faye is led into the opera box um, by the enemy and then sees Malian Rai with his throat slit is apparently almost exactly the same as, as the scene in which um, Roy Scheider's character uh, goes into a private opera box to um, find his contact um and then finds that the contact is dead in the share next to him with his throat slit in the same way so um yeah that, that kind of makes sense 
Um, as we said, the, the shootout is in the cathedral is kind of heavily based on um, John Woo movies. And it, I can't believe I didn't get this reference myself, considering how much of, of a fan I am of this particular John Woo movie. But apparently it's very much a, a homage to John Woo's classic, The Killer from 1989. Um, yeah. If you haven't seen The Killer, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Go see it now. <laughs> but um yeah, I mean, it makes total sense because the you know the climactic shootout in that movie takes place in a, a church. Well, not in a cathedral, but in a church um, in that film as well. Um, apparently, the song that uh, both Julia and Faye are humming um, is thought to possibly be a homage to uh, a song that Sam Cooke sung. Uh, well, rather, he didn't sing it. He hums the whole song, and it's called What the Soul Represents. Um, now that might actually be a, a, a pretty accurate, as said, knowing what we know about the creator of this show, um, Shinichiro Watanabe, and, and his kind of um, passion for music, and especially soul music and, and jazz music of a certain era. Um, you know that makes that makes a lot of sense, actually. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if if, if that's accurate. Um, oh yes, in in, in the the cathedral battle. Um, there's uh, a moment where Spike and Vicious kind of swap weapons. Um, that is apparently a reference to A Better Tomorrow 2, also a John Woo movie, um, mm. which kind of has the same, almost exactly the same scenario in that there's a guy with a samurai sword and a guy with a gun, and the two of them end up swapping weapons at a certain point to fight each other. Um, apparently the cathedral is visually inspired by Notre Dame in Paris, um, the famous okay. old Notre Dame Cathedral. Um, and actually, it makes sense now when I visualize it in my mind. It does look a lot mm. like the inside of, of Notre Dame. Um, for those of you listening who've never been to Notre Dame, it really is quite a, a beautiful, beautiful old cathedral. Um, I found it hard not to think of Quasimodo while I was there, which probably makes me an uncultured coof. But, um, <laughs> you know, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a nice place. It's a nice place. Um, and apparently, last tidbit, uh, the porno magazine that the kids steal from the store was altered. Um, in the original version, the model is topless, but in the version that aired on US television, um, she had a bra on. Um, I can't remember what she, whether she was topless or wearing a bra in the version I saw, but I think she yeah. was wearing a bra still. I don't know. I, I'm just gonna, it's another excuse to watch the episode. Fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think in, in my version, because I've been watching this on my DVD collection, listeners. So um, and the one, the version that I've got came out in 2015, I think it was. Um, so, yeah, the, the, that's probably the reason um, why mine has the unedited version. Because, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's, it's the unedited version now, actually, now I think about it. So, yeah, there you go. Those are the um, trivia and, and the references and stuff. Is there anything that surprised you there in the, the references? I mean, probably no, not because you knew what to, it to, was. Right? Yeah, to be honest, I mean, like, I knew some of them anyway. And then, like I said, then some of them just made sense. The the one thing that that um that, that I that always gets me at the end of this episode is the card for the Ace of Spades. Ah um, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. because because it's something because yeah. it's something that keeps them coming up, and mm. it's and it's almost a reference to. It's weird because you get this you get this sense that, especially in this episode, because there's a lot of death in this episode, mm. compared to um compared to other episodes, whether it happens to people that don't have any names, 
these people who don't have names, they, they have a purpose, even if it's only for five seconds. So, for example, a henchman of, of Vicious uh, will, will, you know, might get taken out by a headshot from Spike, but he's dressed in a particular way that you know that he's of some importance. Just because he hasn't got any lines doesn't mean that, he, that he's not important. So mm. you've got, you know, the death of henchmen, you've got death of Mao, um, you've got, you know, got, got the death of Vicious, you've got the, in essence, quote-unquote, you've got the death of Spike. There's a lot of death. And uh, it just it just takes me back to the first episode where you see the shaman, mm. um, and he and he and he makes reference to the to the shooting star to the falling star, um, and about you know about life and death and how it is it, is is a cycle, and at the end where Julia you know does the whole thing of hitting Spike with the pillow and ripping his bandages, and there's a car, a plane card that lands on his forehead and it's the Ace of Spades, and the Ace of Spades is basically it's meant to represent death. So I, I always find that bit of like a it's a foreshadowing of you know of things to come and and and, and certain particular traits that 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 characters have uh, and and it's and it's also a reminder of of you know you know once again that this show is as fun as it is listen shit happens mm. so yeah I, that that's that's that I just I just lo- I love that bit yeah, that, that's another bit of the scene of the episode that I like mm, for sure. All right, man. Well, um, we're going to wrap this episode up, I think, because I think we kind of covered as as much as we can cover without giving away spoilers. Um, But yeah, make sure you go in and check this episode out. Um, As said, Cowboy Bebop is available on Netflix. Um, I believe it's also available on Crunchyroll still as well. Um, so you should be able to get it on Crunchyroll if you've got a Crunchyroll account. Um, failing that, you can probably pick up the DVD for fairly cheaply. Um, my box set that I bought, uh, as I said, I mean, I got it a couple of years ago now, but it was uh, about 21 quid. Um, so it wasn't too pricey um, for, for what you're getting, really. Um, and especially as it's the 20th anniversary this year as well, it's, it, it may be well worth owning that. Um, on DVD or even on Blu-ray because um, I, I mean I'm not seeing the Blu-ray print. Rich, you've got the Blu-ray copy. Um, yep. Is the Blu-ray print uh, worth the extra money? Would you say? Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. That's the only answer you need. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well so, let's put it. Let's put it this way: the animation for Cowboy Bebop still holds up now to shows that that being released now, whether it's been remastered or not. So imagine if it, imagine when it has been remastered. That, that's 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 the best way to describe it. It's a no-brainer, like you know, like to you know to not to not pick it up in Blu-ray. To be honest, mm, mm, absolutely, absolutely. Well, you heard it here, man. Go go get yourselves your Blu-ray copy, folks. Um, all right. Well, let's say we're going to wrap this one up. Um, thanks a lot for listening. Uh, we'll be back soon with uh, session six. Uh, which is another great episode as well. So we hope you'll join us for that one. Um, Before we head out, uh, we'd just like to say a big thank you to our friend Rob Wade from Emotionally14.com. As you know, Emotionally14.com have officially endorsed our our podcast. And it's great that they have done that too because they offer loads of geek podcasts, uh, particularly lots of Star Wars-based stuff. So if you're a Star Wars fan, uh, make sure you head over to Emotionally14.com and check those out. Um, and also a big thank you and a big up as well to everybody from the Britpod scene. Um, that's a collective of British podcasts who uh, have come together to help each other grow and 
Um, it's been a great experience to be a part of that as well. And, and you know, we've really kind of benefited a lot from um, what they do. So make sure you go and check those out as well. Just search for the hashtag BritPodScene on your social media, or you can head to the website www.BritPodScene.com. Um, yeah, that's it, man. Uh, let's 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 get out of Richie. Um, this episode is, as I said, is 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 just brilliant. And I mean, if if you were along with us so far and and not perhaps quite convinced by Cowboy Bebop for some reason, you know, if this episode can't do it for you, then I don't know. Maybe the show is just not for you. But because <laughs> it's, it's just amazing, it's just absolutely amazing. So we hope you enjoyed this uh, podcast episode. Um, make sure you subscribe to us on our podcast channels as well. Um, if you're listening on YouTube, then please do uh, hit that like button. Um, to make sure you stay notified. Uh, if you're subscribed to us on iTunes, then please do give us a review as well, because that really, really helps um, with helping other people to find us too. And wherever you listen to us, you know, if you like what we do, then let us know and, and share the podcast as well. You know, share it around with with people who might be interested. All right, I'm going to say goodnight. Um, Rich Kid, say goodnight, man. Goodnight, man. Cool. And uh, take care of yourselves, listeners, and we'll see you again next week. Peace out. Thanks for listening to us. If you're down with Wulong Talks, show some love by following us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Wulong Talks. You can also find us online at www.wulongtalks.com or drop us an email at wulongtalkspodcast at gmail.com. We can also be found as part of the BritPod Scene Collective and we're also officially E14 endorsed. Search for those hashtags to enjoy more content from us and from other great British podcasters. 